Thanks for joining us. The following is a presentation of Ignite Global Ministries and features the teaching of Pastor Ben Dixon. Pastor Ben has a vision of strengthening the church to impact the world. He serves as lead pastor at Northwest Foursquare Church in Federal Way, Washington. Most of you know this is historically considered Passion Week. Some traditions call it Holy Week, and that begins with Palm Sunday, which was last Sunday. Palm Sunday commemorates the account where Jesus came into Jerusalem riding a donkey, which fulfilled many prophecies, uh, which pointed to him as the Christ, the Messiah of God. And of course, from that Sunday all the way to Friday, on Friday, we celebrated what we call Good Friday. And we're looking at the crucifixion of Christ, where Jesus took our penalty and the payment of sin was rendered by him on the cross. He was the sinless sacrifice. He was the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. And we looked at that together, the crucifixion, that Jesus died the death of a criminal. And that was a great time in his presence. We know that on Friday, Jesus was crucified at 9 a.m. And he was on the cross roughly about six hours. And by the time 3 p.m. came around, he breathed his last and he said these words that it is finished. And when he said it is finished, he was not saying I give up or I surrender. He was not giving over to his enemies or giving up to the devil. He was saying that what I came here to do is now accomplished. I came to give my life, to stand in place for all humanity, for those that would believe upon my name and receive me as Lord and Savior. I will pay their penalty. I will pay that punishment because the Bible says that the wages of sin, our sin, is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. And so we know that Jesus didn't only, he didn't just, uh, he stood in our place, but he also stood there as us. When he died, he was dying for all of those, taking our place, doing for us what we could never do for ourselves. That's what he was doing on the cross. And now we come to Saturday, which was yesterday, and we look at Saturday was sort of a, a Sabbath time. It was a time of disillusionment for the disciples. It was a time where people were discouraged. And we look back on that and we realize that as Jesus was walking with his disciples and those who were believing him for three years, or at least to the point where they knew he was the Messiah, we, we realized that many of them didn't know what was going on because they didn't believe that he was going to rise, even though he told them that he was. Jesus told them that he was going to rise from the dead, but they didn't get it until it actually happened and Sunday did come. And when Sunday came, Jesus did rise from the dead. And when Jesus rose from the dead, it released hope on planet earth, telling us that all of the promises that Jesus made are in fact true. Because if Jesus did not rise from the dead, then nothing he said can be trusted. And all of Christianity hangs on whether or not this God-man, in fact, did rise from the dead. Christians all over the world today are celebrating the fact that we believe that Jesus Christ did actually rise. This is as true for us, a historical fact for us, as the Apollo 11 you know, got onto the moon in 1969. It is a fact. It's not a fable. It's not a fictional story. It's not something we tell our kids at night to make them feel good or go to bed because they don't go to bed anyways. What we know is that Jesus did rise from the dead. We believe it. And as a result of that, we know that we too are gonna rise. 
Now, today I want to talk to you out of 1 Corinthians 15, and this is a pretty interesting part of Paul's letter to the church. We know that Paul had been with them previously for a year and a half. He knew them quite well, being with them for 16 months and helping the church to grow. It had been four to five years since Paul had actually been with the Corinthian church, and he had a lot of things to say because he had heard word that there were all kinds of issues that they were facing. And so in 1 Corinthians, he speaks to them about division, sexual sin. He speaks to them about pride and jealousy. He speaks to them about the abuse of spiritual gifts and, of course, theological error. And one of the theological errors that they were starting to believe after he had been away from them for four to five years is there were people that were teaching that Jesus Christ did not rise from the dead. And as a result of that, they were also starting to believe that they too, we too, would not rise from the dead. And so this belief was gaining traction. And so Paul wanted to set the record straight. And that's exactly what he does here in 1 Corinthians 15. He affirms that Jesus rose from the dead, which we're going to read about. And as a result of that, we too will rise. We have a reality of the resurrection. We live in the reality of the fact that he rose because we too are going to rise. That's what eternal life means to the believer in Christ. So let me read to you 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 1 through 26. Just a little bit of, pas uh, of this passage here. It's actually, I think, 58 verses, so I'm only reading half of it. Here's what it says. Paul says, Now I make known to you, brethren, the gospel which I preached to you, which also you received, in which you also stand, by which also you are saved, if you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, or Peter, and then to the twelve, and after that he appeared to more than 500 brethren at one time, most of whom are still alive today, but some have fallen asleep. And then he appeared to James and to all the apostles, and to last of all, to... As to one untimely born, he appeared to me also. For I, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace toward me did not prove vain. I labored even more than all of them, yet not I, but the grace of God with me. Whether then it was I or they, so we preach, and so you believed. Now, if Christ is preached, that he has been raised from the dead, how do some of you among you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? And so you can see, here's the first argument. He sets the gospel plainly. And then he says, if people among you are preaching that Jesus rose from the dead, why are you saying that we're not gonna rise from the dead? And so you can see this is something that they started to buy into. Verse 13, but if there's no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. They're connected. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is vain and your faith also is vain. Moreover, we are even found to be false witnesses of God because we testified against God that he raised Christ, whom he did not raise, if in fact the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised himself. And if Christ has not been raised, then your faith is worthless and you are still living in your sins. I mean, this is just not the good news from Paul right now, you understand? Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished and there's no hope for them. If we have hoped in Christ in this life only, we are of all men most to be pitied. But now Christ has been raised from the dead. So he changes and he starts to affirm everything he's trying to tell them. Now Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who are asleep. For since by a man came death, 
By a man also came the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ all will be made alive, but each in his own order. Christ the first fruits, after that those who are Christ at his coming, then comes the end when he hands over the kingdom to the God and Father when he has abolished all rule and all authority and power, for he must reign until he has put all enemies under his feet. And we love this verse, verse 26. The last enemy will be ab- that will be abolished is death. Now, this is very important. He goes on to talking about our immortal bodies. Amen. He, t- he tells them that you are gonna have a resurrected body and we'll read the last part of the passage in a moment. There's a lot of things that we could talk about here, but I just wanna talk to you about three things today as we celebrate the resurrection of Christ. The first one is this, is that Paul is telling and reminding the Corinthian church of what the gospel actually is. In other words, there's false teachers, they're adding to the gospel, they're taking away from the gospel. Really what they're doing is they're distorting the clear gospel message. And so Paul wants to set the record straight. This is the truth, this is what we told you, this is what you are to believe, this is what causes you to be saved. He says three things, the first, is that Jesus Christ, the Messiah, died for our sins. Jesus was and is the atoning sacrifice for our sins. If Jesus Christ is not the one that pays for your sins, then you're living in your sin sin still to this day. And those who believe in him and turn to him will be forgiven. The second thing he says is he was buried in a tomb outside of the city. And the third thing he says is he rose from the dead on the third day, just as Jesus himself predicted. He died for our sins, he was buried, and he rose again. This is a simple summary of the gospel, and can you believe that people in those days were taking away from just the simplicity of the gospel itself? And so Paul felt the need to summarize it and make it explicitly clear. And I want to tell you today that people even now are also adding to the gospel and they're taking away from the gospel. There are whole movements that will try to tell you that Jesus is not enough, that his blood is not enough, that his payment on the cross is not enough. And my friends, I want to tell you today that if you want to be forgiven and you want to have eternal life, that Jesus is enough. He's always been enough. And even if you're in Christ and you're trying to work hard and you're trying to do more and you're trying to try harder. I want to tell you that Jesus is enough. He's always been enough. So when anybody tries to add to the gospel and saying, you must do this in order to be saved, it is a lie. And that's why Paul dealt with it so clearly. This was not the first, nor was it the last time that the apostle Paul had to correct this kind of thinking. And I think we need to remember that today. The gospel is explicitly clear. Then he goes into providing proof of the resurrection because they're challenging Jesus's resurrection and consequently that we would be raised as well. And I wanna just share with you a few things that he says here. He gives proof. And the first proof is that there were transformed lives. He reminds them in verse one, he says, the gospel that you received, the gospel that you're standing in, the gospel that saved you, the gospel, and let me interpret that for you, the gospel that changed your life. One of the proofs that Jesus rose from the dead is that there are people in this room and people watching us online that have been changed because he did rise. And when you believed on him, he saved you and his spirit came to live inside of you. 
And I'm telling you that you're looking at somebody that has been transformed because the gospel is real and Jesus is alive. There is proof in the transformation of our lives. Listen, nobody is here to sell anybody a lie. Nobody is here to talk about a fable. We are talking about the reality of Christ. And make no mistake about it. We are saying that somebody rose from the dead. We're not shrinking back. We're not acting like we we don't know what that means. We are saying a supernatural thing has happened in our world and it has happened because God made it happen. And we believe that. We stake our whole life on that as Christians because as Paul said, if it did not happen, then all of our faith is in vain. We might as well not be here. We might as not well believe the Bible. We We might as well not call ourselves Christians. But I'm thankful that 22 years ago, that Jesus Christ, he chased me down by the power of the Holy Spirit. And I was a young man that was full of all kinds of sin and drug addiction and hatred. And I'm thankful that he chased me down and he didn't take no for an answer. And no, I didn't come to a church and give my life to Jesus. I was in my bedroom. I was miserable. I was terrible. I was in a dark place. I was sitting on the floor and I told God, I didn't even know it was a prayer. I said, if you're real, I need you to show me. And I was kind of like, I need you, you know, I need you to show me. And I felt what I didn't even know was a thing. I felt the presence of God in my room. I didn't ask for a subjective experience. I didn't ask for a preacher to come visit me. I just said, you need to show me. And all of a sudden, I begin to feel the presence and the power of God sitting on the floor in my bedroom at 1.30 in the morning. And I heard the voice of God tell me that he loved me. God said to me, I love you and I always have. And people would say, well, that's nice, that's great, you're telling me that, and a skeptic would try to prove me wrong, and I would tell you, I woke up the next day and I never went back to the drugs, I never went back to the same sins that I was a part of, I never went back to the alcohol and the addictions, and God started to change me from the inside out, and that's why Christians need to remember there's no boasting in ourselves, we're not here to act like we got it all together and we're perfect people, we're here to glorify Christ, the one that changed us, the one that saved us, us, the one that we are standing for. And so, yeah, people can point at the church and say, man, you guys are a bunch of hypocrites. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, we are under construction. Just like this wonderful building you walked in today and you thought, man, this is a weird paint job for a sanctuary. I've never seen anything like it in my life. There's cuts, cuts in the carpet and all kinds of dust. And I'm not sure if I'm even sitting on a little sheetrock dust in my own seat today. And, and I don't know, Pastor Ben said we were gonna paint the building. I don't think that he knows what he's doing. But just like this building is under construction, which we are in the middle of remodeling, you are under construction too. But we are well underway and when Jesus begins his work on the inside. Transformed lives are proof that Jesus rose from the dead. Why? Because over and over and over again in the Bible, it says things like this in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17. It says that old things are passed away. Behold, all things are new. We are new creations in Christ. How do you know? Because 22 years ago, I woke up and I walked outside and I looked up and the sky was blue and the grass was green. And I'll tell you, I was a dead person the day before. And it was like I had never seen what was right in front of me the whole time. And so now I've gotten to preach all over the world. I've gotten to preach all over the country and tell the same story that I'm telling you today that Jesus is alive. The second proof of the resurrection he gives is the word of God. 
In verse three and four, Paul continues to say that these things happened. Jesus died, was buried, rose again according to the scriptures. And we see on and on, Acts chapter one and verse three, Luke chapter one, we see that there are many convincing proofs that Jesus gave. And we understand that in the Old Testament, there's many prophecies that point to the first and the second coming of Christ. And this is in a time where they didn't have email, they didn't have snail mail, they didn't have planes, trains, and automobiles. They had no way to converge and make sure their stories lined up. And the Bible, in my opinion, and I believe this is very true, is the greatest historical book of antiquity this world has ever seen. And I know that people try to act like that's not true, but it is true. And yes, I'm biased, but I'm gonna say it even in my biasm. When you begin to study the Bible, and a lot of people don't, but when you begin to study the Bible, you are more convinced than you were before. If you look at it with an open heart, the word of God is proof because we see scripture after scripture, prophecy after prophecy that affirms that the suffering servant would come and give his life and that he would give life in his name. Jesus himself predicted the resurrection and we know that it in fact happened. The third proof that Paul gives here is the empty tomb. The Sanhedrin, we want to remember this, when Jesus died, they heard a rumor that he was supposedly going to rise from the dead. Now, they didn't believe that he would, but they thought somebody would try to stage this. And so to sort of curb that from happening, they prompted Pontius Pilate to do something about it. So Pontius Pilate made sure that they rolled a big stone over the mouth of the cave. You heard about the stone. When we say the stone has been rolled away, we're not talking about a stone, ladies and gentlemen. We're talking about a stone, you know. We might as well say a boulder. They put a boulder over the mouth of the cave. Not one man could actually roll this thing away. It would take several. And there were guards that were stationed there. And then they took this soft mold clay and they put the imperial, that imperial seal on it and they stuck it right there, right where the rock was in the mouth of the cave and they put a rope on it. And if you broke the imperial seal, that was a death sentence. And so they have a seal, they have guards, they have this huge boulder. And don't you know, in John chapter 20, we read about, Paul reminds the church about that the tomb was empty. In fact, he talks about there's three people that came to the tomb that sought for themselves. Mary saw it, Peter saw it, and John saw it. A couple of them just approached and they didn't go in, but Peter, you know, he's not shy at all. Peter just ran right into the tomb like I think most of us would. You know, curiosity kills the cat. And he's like, the stone has been rolled away and he, he goes into the tomb and it's empty. This is just a funny little detail that hopefully you'll appreciate like I do, but it says that the grave clothes that, were, that Jesus was wrapped in, they were lying there on the floor. And there's this other part that maybe you missed, but I wanna tell you, it's in John 20, verse one through 10. It says, the, the part that was wrapped around his head, it says it was rolled up. Another translation would say it was folded up. It's, it's kind of in my mind, I don't know what this looked like, but it's like Jesus rose up out of the grave and he just was in a good mood and he had enough time to fold his clothes and put them down there and make sure that whoever was gonna come saw that he just took the time to let everybody know that this really happened. You know, you don't fold your clothes or put them away unless you wake up in a good mood. You understand what I'm saying? <laughs> And as a, as a person who loves to iron clothes and put clothes away, I, I appreciate that. I just do. It's a little, little detail and shows me that Jesus woke up in a good mood. I want to tell you today that Jesus is in a good mood. Yes. Amen. And you can be too if you know him. The fourth thing that he says here as proof of the resurrection is he mentions the eyewitnesses. Verse 5 through 8, 
He actually lists all of these people that saw Jesus after he rose. He says, Peter. And then he says, the rest of the disciples. And get this, 500 people saw Jesus raised from the dead at one time. And if that wasn't good enough, people would say, skeptics would go, well, yeah, but you know, they're just saying that. 500 people at one time. I don't know, there's almost 500 people in this room. You're all seeing me at the same time. And I bet you if you all walk out of this room and, and you were all con, con, conversing about who you saw, you know, Pastor Ben, I mean, hey, maybe a couple of you got it wrong. You thought Scott was Ben or Ben was Scott, but listen, not all of you are wrong, you understand? 500, and then he goes on to say, some of the people that saw him that were in that crowd are still alive. We call these eyewitnesses. Now, when you go to a court of law, the thing that comes, the person that comes up on the stand is an eyewitness, uh, an eyewitness who has a testimony. And listen, that is credible in the court. The jury comes to a verdict based on the testimony of eyewitnesses and evidence. And an eyewitness testimony is evidence. And it's very important that we're reminded there were people, many hundreds of people that saw Jesus risen from the dead. And picture this, when Paul is saying it to the church that's questioning it, he's reminding them some of them are still alive today. That's incredible. In other words, I'll give you their address and phone number or whatever they used. <laughs> I'll tell you which lake they live by or what, however, whatever marker, you know, what time of the sun you need to be next to their rock or stone house. I don't know how they did it. But it's really important. It's foolishness to say Jesus did not rise from the dead with all of the evidence because that's what people are looking for. They're looking for evidence. Friends, there's a lot of evidence and the same way that we determine whether something is true or not today is the same means we should use when we're looking at the resurrection of Christ. And there is hope in the resurrection. If you deny the resurrection, the implications are frightening. But if you believe the resurrection, the hope is amazing. More so than I can say today. And that's really what I wanna spend the rest of my time talking about. Just a couple things concerning hope that the resurrection of Christ brings into our life. And the first one, for those that believe the resurrection, the resurrection brings life after death. This is what Paul says in verse 13 and 18. In fact, Jesus says it in John 11. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even if he dies. And if you think that's an isolated moment where Jesus said that, he said it in John 3, John 6, John 10, John 17. And every apostle of Christ practically said the same thing. They said that you will live forever. This is what it talks about. Eternal life means that your body will literally rise from the dead. And here, listen, this is really good for us because it seems like we've been living in a, a year of death. Now, without politicizing that, and you know you don't wanna hear my opinions, but I'm just gonna say it like this. We've been living with the narrative of death over our culture and our nation and over our world for a long time. But I wanna tell you that there's a message of life that is more powerful than the message of death. The Bible says that it is appointed unto man once to die. That means everybody in this room watching, everybody in the world is going to die. And I'm not saying that to minimize anybody's pain that's experienced loss in this room. I'm just simply speaking the truth. We are all gonna die. 
but we can know that there is something beyond death. And that is what the resurrection speaks to us today. There is hope because we will live forever if we believe in Christ. The second thing that we receive in terms of hope based on the resurrection is the resurrection brings life through our ministry. Paul says in verse 14 that if Christ is not raised, then our preaching is useless. Our ministry is useless. Planting churches, sending missionaries, talking about Jesus, telling our testimony. Testimony of what? It's all useless if Christ wasn't raised. No resurrection, there's no good news. There's no salvation, there's no message of grace, there's no hope, no savior. All of his claims were lies if he didn't raise, but we know that he did. And if he did, that means that there is transformation in the gospel of Jesus. Here's what I know. I am an imperfect person trying to convey a message about a perfect one. And here, here's the reality of that. I don't, I'm not enough to inspire you. I'm not enough to provoke you. I'm not trusting in myself to be able to get you to move emotionally and do something I want you to do. Come on, that's not gonna work. And most of you, I can see you Seattle people. You're looking at me and you're just waiting for me to try to do something like that. You understand? Yeah, I see it. The Google freeze is real. We're not trying to move you, inspire you, or get you somewhere that we want you to be. What we are saying is the message in and of itself. If it's true, when we say that Jesus rose from the dead, when we say, if you believe in him, you'll be forgiven of sin and you'll rise from the dead. When I say that, if it's true, there's power in just saying it. There is power in just saying it. Sometimes we're trying to convince people we're trying to make them believe. You can't make anybody believe it. You cannot make a cold heart get on fire. You cannot change the trajectory of someone's life, but there is someone that can. And if the message is true, just sharing it has power. You say, Ben, I don't know how to share the gospel. You don't have to know how to do something. You just have to share what you know. And when we share it, yeah, it messes with people. And people don't all agree, but there's power. It's like planting a seed and it just affects people. They just get mad, even, if, even in getting mad. You know, before I was a Christian, I hated Christians. I just did. Can I tell you the truth? I hated Christians. And every time, every time somebody talked to me about Jesus, I mean, you could talk about Buddha, you can talk about Muhammad, you could talk about whatever. But when you talked about Jesus, something inside of me was disturbed. It was just disturbed. I was like, oh, just Christians. You know, I can't say the rest of the things that I would say, but because I'm sanctified now, you know. <laughs> I'm on a no cussing fast, you understand? Amen. Some of y'all should fast the cussing. That'll preach. Go on a long fast. I didn't like it. I didn't want people to talk to me about Jesus, you understand? And I had all the excuses. Oh, Christians are hypocrites. It's like, check that box. Yep. <laughs> Under construction. See, you can, if you look at anybody else but Christ, you got a lot to say. So do I, right? Go ahead. You choose somebody else but Jesus and you got a reason for looking at the word and acting like it's not true. You got a reason for denying the claims. But if you look face to face in Christ, to Christ, you can't do that. You just can't. And that's what happens to us. We just get off of Jesus. We start looking at other things and other people and we have a reason to try to deny the claims of Christ, but you gotta look at Christ when you're considering his claims. The resurrection brings life through our ministry. We have a message that changes the world. The third is the res resurrection fuels our faith. 
Because of the resurrection, we know that we have eternal life and we know that everything else said or spoken, written in the word of God is true. He still saves, he changes, he delivers, he heals, he empowers. I'm not giving you a pep talk. I'm telling you, this is what the word says. Jesus is alive, which means that his words can be trusted. If he rose from the dead, I'm just gonna trust that guy. There are many religions with all kinds of leaders. This has been going on for a lot of years and they all have their words and their teachings these teachings that can be debated, they can be propagated, they can be studied. But all of these other religious leaders have one thing in common that Jesus stands apart from. All of them are dead. Jesus is alive. And if Jesus rose from the dead, I'm gonna trust that one. Jesus can be trusted. The resurrection of Jesus reminds us that what he said is true. He said he is the way to the Father. He said that he is the truth. He said that we can be forgiven of sin. He said that we can have eternal life if we believe upon him and we turn to him. He said that those that turn to him are sons and daughters of God. We're in his family. We're not just in some religious elite club. We are literally sons and daughters of God. We're family to God. The fourth thing that the resurrection does is it validates our witness. We are not false witnesses. In verse 15, Paul states that if Christ didn't raise, we are. And the testimony is a lie. But Jesus, we know, told us in Acts chapter one, verse eight, he said, I'm gonna give you power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you so that you can be my witnesses. And let me just tell you something. We have a living Christ. The Bible says that he is the head and we are the body. What good would it be if we had a living head and a dead body? If we have a living Christ, we need to have a living church. And so we need to have a fiery witness of Christ, not a witness that shrinks back, that's ashamed to name the name of Christ. We need to be the type of witness that will name Jesus's name. We're not ashamed of him. And let me tell you, we've got the evidence that he rose again, and we know that this brings such a hope. And friends, it's not just for us, but it's for people in our family, people in our neighborhood, people in our workplace, people all around us. And we sometimes say, well, people don't wanna hear it. People don't wanna talk about it. Listen, that is a lie. That is the greatest lie the devil ever told. I can tell you, when you, when you came to Christ, did you really wanna hear the truth? Were you just waiting to like give your life over to Christianity and follow Jesus and read your Bible every day and come to church? I mean, the world thinks what we're doing is weird today. If you're not a Christian, this is weird. This is strange. It probably reminds you of school. Everybody's looking at one person giving a lecture and we sing songs and raise our hands. It's a strange thing to the world. The message that we believe. Paul said it in Romans chapter one. He talked about the message of the cross is foolishness to those that are perishing, but to those that are being saved, it's the power of God. It's foolishness to those that are perishing but it's power to those that are being saved. We are witnesses and we are alive. We need to be alive to Jesus because he's alive to us. Number five, and finally, the resurrection, the resurrection breaks the power of sin. Paul says here in verse 17, that if Christ did not rise, then you're still in your sins. You're still in your sins. If Christ is not alive, then we're not forgiven and there's no newness of life and we're just faking it until we make it. We're just trying to look a little better. I, I, wanna, I wanna say this to you. God is not trying to get you to look a little better. He's trying to get you deader. <laughs> That's what the Bible talks about. 
The old person is dead. We, have, we are all new. When you give your life to Jesus, he isn't trying to modify you. He isn't trying to make you better. The Bible says that's the old nature, that's the flesh. The only thing the flesh can do is look religious. That's why he says, crucify the flesh. We are living in the new nature that we have been given. We are new and we are going to live eternally. Because Jesus rose, we know that the resurrection breaks the power of sin. And let me just tell you, friends, I don't know what you're struggling with today, but not only does he wanna forgive us, but he wants to cleanse us from unrighteousness. He wants to break the cycles of sin. He wants to break the sin that's been passed down to us, the generational iniquity. And he is the only one that has the power to do it. I've been a pastor longer than I should have been at my age, but I tell you, I'm like a confessional booth, you know? And I've had a lot of people tell me a lot of things. And these days, I wish I would tell you that I was surprised, but I'm not surprised anymore. People that look like they got it together on the outside, I used to assume everybody was great. I don't automatically have that assumption. I'm not a pessimist. I'm not an optimist. I'm a realist. At least that's what I tell myself. And I'm, I mean, I, I, people have told me every kind of thing that they're struggling with and they brought the truth out of their hearts. And there are a lot of skeletons in the closet. And I just want to tell you that there's hope. If you've got something in your heart or in your life and nobody else knows about it, Jesus knows about it. And he, not only does he know about it, but he wants to forgive it and he wants to cleanse you from it. He wants to take it from you more than you want to give it to him. And he has the power to change us. He has the power to deliver us. You might say, well, Ben, I haven't been changed yet. Not yet. You said exactly, I haven't been changed yet. That's why we have to keep contending and give over ourselves to God. And the more we surrender, the more we give over, the more we are changed into his likeness. I wanna tell you today, there's hope. When we look at Christ and we see that he not only died, but he rose again, there is hope for us. And as we live, we wanna live a life that is in keeping with what he has done for us and who he is to us. And for just a moment, I, I want to, and we must, we have to conclude our resurrection service with making sure there's time for anybody that came. And we don't push anybody, we don't pressure anyone, but the reality is, is that if you came today or you're even watching online and you haven't given your heart to Jesus, and you're not forgiven of your sin, and you don't have a relationship with them. And let's just be honest, you don't know where you're gonna be when you die. But make no mistake of this, one thing the Bible does say that shoots us right in between the eyes today is it says that it is appointed unto man once to die, and after that, the judgment. Some of us have gone through a lot of loss this year. In our church alone, we've lost six, maybe seven people in the last couple months. We've had people die in this church members that have been here a long time, far longer than I've ever been here, people that I've met one time, some that are quite young, some that are old, some that knew they were gonna die and some it was unexpected. We've had death happen in this, in this church over the last few months. And the narrative of death has been over us as a country and a nation and a world for the last year. But we know that death is certain. But what is not certain is eternal life through Jesus Christ. That's why we're here today, is not only to preach it, but to believe it. And I wanna to appeal to any of you that aren't sure if you believe it. If you're not sure today, you need to be sure. It's very simple to become a Christian. It is very simple to be forgiven. It's very simple to believe upon Jesus. If something is stirring in your heart and you're saying, Ben, I, I hear you, 
but I don't yet really believe and I'm not sure what life is gonna be like after I die. You can settle that today. You don't have to live one more day being uncertain. You can be sure. The Bible's clear about that. All it says is if you believe in your heart that Jesus Christ came and he rose from the dead, if you confess with your mouth that he is your Lord and your savior, you turn from the life that you were living. And what he wants is you to give him death and your sin and your shame. And in exchange, he will give you forgiveness and he will give you life and he will give you joy. I'm not promising your pockets are gonna be fat and you're gonna have a Mercedes. Some of you already do. Or you're gonna have a nice house. I don't know. Life's still gonna happen, but eternal life does not happen for us unless we give our life to him. That's what we know. And so today, just for a moment, would you bow your heads just to honor the presence of God? Thank you, Lord. I've appealed to you. There are people all over the world today celebrating the resurrection of Christ. Millions of people have died believing that they were gonna rise from the dead because Jesus did. And I'm just appealing to any of you today watching online or in this room, if you have not given your heart to Jesus, if you have not believed upon him and his resurrection, received the forgiveness of sins, knowing you're gonna be with him for eternity, if you've not done that and you want to do that today, I just want you to slip your hand up right now. I just want you to slip your hand up. I'm not gonna make you come up in front of everybody. I just wanna see that you're making an acknowledgement of faith saying, Pastor Ben, I wanna do that today. And I'll tell you what to do after the service, but just slip your hand up. I'm gonna give you just 10 seconds today. Thank you, Lord. Yep. We even had a few people in the 8 a.m. service. They said, Pastor Ben, I wanna make sure I know where I'm gonna be when it's all over. Pastor Ben, I wanna be forgiven. I believe in Jesus. Just slip your hand up. Yep, yep. So for those of you that did slip your hand up, those of you that didn't, and you would like to make sure, here's what I'm telling you. I want you to come up front after the service. Give give us five minutes. Some of the pastors are up here. We love you. We wanna pray with you. We wanna talk to you for a moment. I don't just want to pray a prayer where you're out there and you slip through. I'm asking you, the first step is you put your hand up. The second is you make that walk up here after the service when everybody's going out to the gym and we wanna give you a Bible, we wanna give you a gift and we just wanna talk, connect with you for a moment and pray with you to receive Christ. And the rest of you, if you would stand right now, I wanna call those, those of you in this room that are following Christ. Today is a day of rededication. Today is a day of commitment. Today is a day of refreshing and renewal where we say, Lord, I believe that you rose and I wanna live my life in light of your resurrection. I don't wanna live as a half-hearted Christian. I don't wanna live where people look at my life and they have no clue who I'm following. I wanna live in such a way where it is absolutely 100% clear that I love Jesus and I believe in him. I'm telling you today is a day of rededication and it's a day of commitment. Don't let sin, don't let your past, don't let your shame, don't let the things of this world deter you from following Jesus wholeheartedly. Don't do that. Don't do that because one day we're gonna stand in front of him and we wanna have a smile on our face saying, I did everything that I could do to follow you imperfectly as it were, Lord, I didn't shrink back. You wanna stand in his presence knowing that he paid for your sin, but that you didn't willingly shrink back in your life. And so let's do this today. Let's just pray together. And if that's you, just say, Lord, I commit to you. I rededicate my life to you. I'm gonna follow you. Father, I thank you today in Jesus' name 
that you're the one that we're following. You're the perfect one. You've given us an example. You've given us proof of your resurrection. In this room, there are transformed lives. We're reminded of that. You've given us your word. We're reminded of its strength. And Lord, we thank you that there are many that testify to the resurrection in our midst. Those that are in history and those that are even here today that while they didn't see you, they've encountered you. And we thank you, Lord, also that the tomb was empty. And so we believe in the resurrection of Christ. And if you wanna live your life in light of that, just say yes right now out loud, just say yes. Thank you, Lord. We commit our hearts to you in Jesus' mighty name. Now I'm gonna say this, this is tradition. Don't do this week. Friends, do not do this week. When I say he is risen, you say he is risen indeed. We're gonna do it three times. I'm prepping you. You see, I was a good pastor. I did it. I prepped you good. I don't want those. I don't, don't, don't. Passionate Christians. He is risen. He is risen. He is risen. Yes, Lord, we thank you, God. We worship you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Yes. Thanks for listening. If you'd like more information about Ignite Global Ministries, please go to our website, igniteglobalministries.org. While there, check out our Immersion Discipleship School and the books Pastor Ben has written.